Coming up on the talk show, we have a great show for you today. Why? Because it's opening day. Opening day is a wonderful day. I even read a poem. I felt compelled to get in the spirit, and I felt it was appropriate for today's opening day. Um, and I previewed everything that's going to happen in this year's Major League Baseball season. All the records of all the teams went through all the additions and subtractions because sometimes I'm sitting in May and I'm like, wait, that guy's on that team. So I talked about everyone who went where. Um, and so it's a great episode for an opening day MLB season preview all coming up after this. Good morning and welcome to the talk show at 5.30 in the morning on the East Coast. I just finished the overnight shift and happy opening day to everyone. It's opening day in the Major League Baseball season. One of the best days of the year in sports, honestly. Um, And we didn't think we were going to be getting this opening day this year. No one knew when this was going to come. So this is a happy surprise, I guess, that it is here. It's here in April. It's only the first week in April still, so not bad at all. Um, And we'll talk about all the different things that happened uh, between baseball actually deciding to start and now so we'll get into that all that at some point i'm sure but for now we have opening day and i'm so pumped up as you can hear i came straight from the studio uh at about 5 30 in the morning i'm recording this by the way i walked out of the studio this morning not opening day weather at all it was about 40 something degrees here on the east coast and it was misty basically raining outside the two local teams if you want to call them that new york teams the yankees and the mets both of their opening days got pushed back because of weather so the mets are actually starting a night game in dc instead of playing later this afternoon at one o'clock or i think originally it was supposed to be four o'clock now they're playing at seven o'clock which i guess if you see that they're supposed to be rain that's why you push it off but at the same time the evenings here just all of a sudden gets freezing once the sun goes down even though it's somewhat nice during the days um and then the yankees it's supposed to pour in the bronx so the yankees got pushed back to uh friday friday at 1 p.m from thursday at 1 p.m that will be their opening day um look i got a lot to talk about and we're gonna start with the baseball because that's what's up it's today obviously there's also um tiger woods he'll be back at the masters that's a huge story now but i want to talk about baseball um because that's where we're going to start off with i'm going to give you my prediction on everything that's going to happen in baseball this season Uh, i'll be wrong about a lot of things maybe i'll get a couple things right and we'll take it from there. Uh, but before that, I kind of want to give a preview to the season because the last time I talked about baseball, uh, I was pretty much downer. I was talking about how the sport and the lockout is what's killing the league. Um, and I don't think it's the lockout that's killing the league, if I'm being honest. To me, it, it goes beyond that. And you see it with certain things. You see it with the way they're changing the rules and they're changing the way the game's played. And I think kind of what's happened since the lockout and because of the lockout is we've seen that the number one priority is not the game. It's not the fans, although we definitely knew it wasn't the fans. Maybe we knew this deep down all along, but the number one priority is money. And that's what's the driving force for everyone, not just the players, but the owners. And maybe you would have said, okay, you expect this from the owners, but you don't really expect this from the players. You expect the players to actually love the game. And some players still do love the game. I listened to Bryce Harper on First Time Long Time podcast, which is a Barstool Sports Philly podcast. He was incredible. I I advise everyone to go listen to that podcast because... He actually had things to say that make you believe in professional athletes and believe in uh, you know, human beings. And I've heard him talk before. And every time I hear Bryce talk, I love him. And that's why I, that's the guy I wanted. I always said I had nothing against Giancarlo Stanton. I actually love Giancarlo Stanton. But when the Yankees traded for Stanton, I was pretty upset because I knew that meant they weren't going to get Bryce Harper. And actually, in the interview, Harper said he never even met with the Yankees, which is shocking to me that Brian Cashman had an opportunity to go get one of the best players, the best player on the market available at a very young age. And he could have signed him for whatever because he was a free agent. And he didn't even meet with the guy. So that, uh, as a Yankee fan, obviously drives me insane. But he said a couple of things. And the first thing he talked about was the shift. He talked about how banning the shift, and I've talked about this, is something so stupid because you can hit the ball to the other side. You can lay down a bunt. You can beat the shift. And now this year, no one's going to be incentivized to do that because they know next year the shift is being banned anyway. So I get it. You want to incentivize more balls in play. Obviously, with the three true outcomes, that's not great. But he talked about it, how he knew like randomly he could just bunt down the line and get an easy base hit because they were going to shift. And yes, he said it was upsetting when he tried to pull the ball and he grounded it to the right side. But you don't make the sport easier. This is what I've talked about. And Joey Gallo is going to be the you know poster child for this because 
he's talked about it a lot and he talks about how I don't care hitting under 200 if I strike out a ton and hit into the shift a ton because I'm going to hit 40 home runs. I think it's just such a bad way to look at the sport if you realize that at the core of the sport is entertainment um, and entertainment for fans and that's not entertaining. That's just the bottom line. So that's that's my first problem and I love that Bryce Harper said that. Um, the other things he talked about, he talked about just having fun and the game being a fun game and the game being for the fans and teams trying to win. That was the other thing that a lot, a lot of teams are just not trying to win. And if you look across the league, especially with the Atlanta Braves winning the World Series, I think this can get worse. They can now say, they can look at their fan bases. The teams can tell their fan bases, we're generally, we're, we're genuinely trying to win. We're going to be a wild card. We're going to get into the wild card. But they added wild card teams and the Braves, a wild card team, won the World Series. So the combination of those two things can have general managers telling their teams, their fans, look, we're going to be a wild card team. Look, we're going to be a wild card. Wild card can win the World Series. Look, the Braves just did it. So I think the combination of those two things, you're going to see a lot of teams not going for it. We saw it with the Phillies this year. They're actually going for it. We saw it with the Dodgers the last few years. They're actually going for it. There are some teams that actually, no matter how many talented players, how large their payroll is, they still keep on going for it. And obviously, we'll get to my Yankees in a second, but they're not going for it. They have the largest payroll, obviously, or one of the largest payrolls, the largest in their history, but they're still, can you say they're truly going for it when they have holes in certain areas and they decided not to fill them and instead they're they're trying to get these stopgap guys and stuff like that? I talked about it a ton last year. You have Garrett Cole, so why not pile on? And we'll talk about that a little bit later, but teams trying to win is what really helps. Uh, the slow pace is another thing that people complain about in baseball. I think the pitch com is going to help, which is the um the service that basically they use in the NFL the same thing how they get the plays to the quarterback so the, the pitchers are now going to have an earpiece basically and the catcher is going to give them a sign that goes straight to their earpiece and tells them what the pitch is and so you don't have all that time in between batters um, and all the changing the signs and some people came out like oh but people are going to hack it well if that's true then defenses could have hacked into the quarterback's ear- headset years ago and they'd be doing that in the NFL so I'm sure they'll figure that part out although I'm sure baseball will have some scandal because otherwise it wouldn't be baseball but the three true outcomes and the time between balls and play is worse than the time between pitches I talked about this last year also so all these issues that I talked about with baseball they still remain and we saw that it was all about money we saw that the players wanted to get paid the owners wanted to get paid and that's why there was a lockout Um, and with all these rule changes and with everything going on we see it's still for these teams all about the money that they don't care to actual put an actual winner out there. MLB wants as many playoff teams as possible because that means that they can get make as much money off the product. Most more teams can make the playoffs. There'll be more playoff games. And then for the teams, they could save their money. They could say, hey, we don't have to buy as many players anymore because guess what? We're going to make it to the wild card. And then we can kind of convince our fans that we're really going for it because we made a wild card. It's not true. You're not actually going for it. You don't actually care. Um, so that's my issue with baseball right now. Uh, look, the audience part of it, and this is another part that we saw all these streaming services coming in and they don't care about the fans. They don't care about us. You hear baseball fans crying that, well, we know that they don't care about us already. Basically what's happening is that now streaming services are going to have their games exclusively on their streaming services and older fans, which by the way, tells you what the demographic is. That's watching baseball that all these people are complaining about it. If, all your fan base is complaining about not being able to watch games because they're going to be on streaming platforms. Your fan base is way too old. Let me tell you that right off the bat. Um, and so they're like complaining, hey, we, we're too old to watch the games. Baseball doesn't want us. No, baseball doesn't care about you. These streaming services, Apple TV, Peacock, Amazon, they're paying baseball a ton of money to put their service, to put their games on their networks i don't know why they're paying them so much money i guess the advertisers are paying a ton of money i guess the sport still is making money which is one thing that i didn't properly estimate when i was going looking at the locket i said well they're just going to run the sport into the ground because who's going to pay for this if they're always fighting and it's not a good product anyway so by arguing over money they're just going to run the sport into the ground because no one's going to care anymore i was wrong apparently people care because apple tv peacock Amazon, all these services, all these streaming platforms are paying tons and tons of money for Major League Baseball, and they don't care that the ages 50 to 60 years old are not going to be watching baseball games anymore. They really don't care. They're hoping to engage the younger audience, and I hope 
that they do that by making the products better and not just going to the ser- the streaming services. Like there's a way to get the younger fans, have more fun, get rid of the unwritten rules, have people throwing bats and, you know, celebrating around the bases and pumped up crowds and adding more action by not changing the rules, not making the game easier, but by actually incentivizing people to put the ball in play and to steal bases and to run around, um, hit doubles and big plays, stuff like that. That's what we want, but um, hopefully baseball can move in that direction. And maybe with the streaming services, the one positive is that some of their producers and some of their higher-ups will kind of try and help guide baseball and help guide Rob Manfred uh, along in getting them to you know improve the game. But as long as the money's still coming in from Major League Baseball, there's no incentive for them to change anything. If anything, they... Like I said, they can change things for the worse, like I think they are doing with, you know, eliminating the shift and stuff like that and adding playoff teams, which is just diluting uh, the league. If they added playoff teams, but they also added a salary floor, that would make sense. So now teams have to spend a ton, you know, and try and make the playoffs. They have to, Every team has to spend a lot of money. You can't have the Orioles. You can't have what we saw with the Oakland Athletics. And the Oakland Athletics, I think their salary drop now to under 30 million dollars for the entire team for this year after they just traded everyone away if you look at all the pieces that the oakland athletics traded away they could be a championship caliber team really close to it with the play just with the players they traded away so if you think about that teams really aren't trying to compete anymore and that is the bigger problem in baseball right now to my yankees because i always say i think the yankees they're a smart organization they when they want to win championships, they can because they're so smart. But when they want to just make money, they can also. And we see it now. Um, they're always ahead of the curve. And they really embody all these things that bother me about baseball. If you look, Brian Cashman making excuses. He's talking about, well, it's not fair to say that we didn't make the World Series in, since 2009 because we really made this World Series in 2017, but we got cheated out of it. What? First of all, in 2009, you had a cheater on your team named Alex Rodriguez, who without him, you don't win the World Series. So if we're talking about cheaters... You can't talk about 09. You haven't made the World Series since 2001 when you had a different cheater than Roger Clemens. So don't talk about cheating. Second of all, there's this letter that you're trying really hard not to have open by MLB, which probably proves that you were also cheating in 2017. So if you're talking about cheating, I don't think that's a good route that you want to go down, Brian Cashman. And second, you had every opportunity to improve this team and get better and actually make the World Series since 2017, and you didn't. What happened in all those years? I think what's happening with Brian Cashman is he's already told the public that the Yankees have spent enough. Look, this is the largest payroll they've ever had. And he's already told the public that Aaron Boone, he's my manager. I've just extended him for four years. So if it's not the manager's fault and it's not the owner's fault for not spending enough money, that only falls on the GM. He's not going to blame the players, right, for not performing. They're just not good enough. They've performed to the level that you'd expect them to perform. The fact that they've spent this much money and are still not good enough just tells you that he's spending money in the wrong places. The amount of money he spent on Garrett Cole, who might not even be an ace without the sticky stuff and time will tell, I would like to lean and say that maybe it was just his hamstring injury. The money he spent... On DJ LeMayu. Remember he saved, quote-unquote, last year's offseason by re-signing DJ LeMayu? He's trying to do the same thing by extending Aaron Judge this offseason. But otherwise, it's an extremely disappointing offseason. He took on Josh Donaldson's contract to make them the highest payroll in franchise history. And we'll get to Josh Donaldson a little bit later because I actually don't hate the player. I just hate the offseason overall. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, when you had guys like Trevor Story and Kyle Seeger, or Corey Seeger, I should say, and Carlos Correa out there, Carlos Correa essentially signed a one-year prove-it deal with the Twins. And the Twins used the money that they dumped on you by getting rid of Josh Donaldson to sign Carlos Correa. So you got outsmarted by the Minnesota Twins, and that's why Brian Cashman is making excuses, because otherwise this all points to him as his fault why the Yankees are not competitive. Keith McPherson, who is the new evening host on WFAN, said something actually super interesting. And at first I was like, what? Are you crazy? And then I actually agreed with him. He's like, why are the Yankees talking about championships? The Yankees are talking about World Series or bust, World Series or bust. It's always been World Series or bust with the Yankees. Keith, are you not a Yankee fan? Are you not familiar with the Yankees? Are you new to New York? It's always World Series or bust. But then he actually said something interesting. He said, They haven't earned the right to say it. These players are not good enough to make the World Series. This team is not good enough to make the World Series. And to me, that adds to the excuse narrative that is surrounding these Yankees. 
they feel like if they say it's World Series or bust, then they're good enough to make the World Series. But they're not good enough. They're not good enough to compete for a World Series. So just by saying it, that doesn't make you a World Series caliber team that fell short when you don't win the World Series. You were never a World Series caliber team to begin with. So by saying it, they feel like, oh, we are that caliber team. We may fall short, but that's the caliber team we have. No, you don't. That's my problem with saying it's World Series or bust with this particular Yankee team. So I think Keith is 100% correct. Well, now I feel like I've made myself upset and I'm not down for baseball season anymore when that wasn't the intention at all. So I'm going to actually restart this. I'm going to kick it back. I'm going to pretend I'm going to go back in time about 15 minutes. And I'm going to close my eyes and think about the little kid inside me that loves baseball and all the reasons that I fell in love with baseball. And then I'm going to give you my predictions and tell you everything you need to know about this upcoming baseball season. Let's do it for real. It's opening day. Happy, happy opening day, everyone. I can't wait. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It's been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. This field, this game, it's a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that once was good, and it could be again. Oh, people will come, Ray. People will most definitely come. Listening to the radio for play-by-play, I hear welcome to opening day. Despite cold temperatures for today's game, a sellout crowd has came. I turn my attention to the bullpen. The starting pitcher is number 10. Managers present lineups. Pitcher throws warm-up. Umpire yells play ball. Fielders hear the call. Innings 1, 2, and 3, no score to be. Inning 5, visitors come alive. Back-to-back singles down the line. Sacrifice fly position nine no one at fault but one run results inning eight still not too late the home team takes their swings a base hit a stolen base leadoff would bring will this one get a hit no second base smothers it fly ball and a play at the plate a perfect throw ends the eighth i review the pitcher's stats as the visitors come to bat four straight balls and a walk pitching come coach comes out to talk a new pitcher trots to the mound three feared sluggers shut down bottom of the ninth climax at its height an error on a bad hop line drive over shortstop fans express belief even with the closer now in relief double over the fence the crowd is in suspense rounding third anxiously awaiting the final word and this is what i heard here comes the winning run. Safe. And that's a winner. 2-1. to one. Spectators approve with a deafening roar. Seconds later, fireworks would soar. Baseball and America's pastime is my reason. I think I'll go to another game this season. Alright, we're back. Look, I'm going to give you the positive spin on the Yankees because I'm actually excited for baseball season. I'm excited for baseball season for all the reasons you just heard. Baseball has that special connection with me as a kid going out to the ballpark, whether it was with my dad, my grandfather, my siblings. Every time I go into a ballpark, especially when it's the first time of the season and I was supposed to go, I really wanted to go see Jacob deGrom today on Thursday at Nationals Park. Of course, he's not starting in the end. He's hurt. Uh, Max Scherzer isn't starting either. I was like, you know what? Fine. I won't see DeGrom. I'll see Max Scherzer. It's Tyler McGill starting for the Mets. Um, But I did see that the Nationals were actually using Max Scherzer 
to sell tickets. They had a promotion outside their stadium with a picture of Max Scherzer in a Mets uniform. Their former, former pitcher coming back to their stadium. They're using him to sell tickets. By the way, I agree with that move. Very smart move. I said this, that the Orioles should have done it last year with Shohei Otani and other teams. So I actually like the Nationals doing that. Uh, and good for them. Good for a baseball team using a very popular player to sell tickets and to sell your game. Congratulations. You're using what makes your sport special, which is the athletes, to make your sport popular. So I love it. Congrats. I love the Nationals. You guys are awesome. Um, great marketing out there. I don't know who their marketing team is. I'd love to join them. Um, but my point is that uh, I'm not going to opening day. So I don't know when I'm going to go to opening to a game for the first time this year. But that first time that you show up, that first time that you sit at the ballpark and you see that green grass, every single time I feel like a kid again when I walk out from the tunnel and I see how green the grass is and I just smell the, the smells of the ballpark, whether it's the hot dogs, the peanuts, whatever it is, um, the beer. It's an awesome experience every single time. It's so cool for me. Even as a 24-year-old turning 25 this summer, Jesus, grown man, um, I'm a grown child. That's what I am. I'm a huge child. And baseball connects me back to my childhood and that's something that's still special um it's a game that you know we all played i still play it it's something i don't know there's something special about that sport uh and for the yankees so i'm going to go out on a limb here and i'll give you my full yankee prediction a little bit later but my guy aaron hicks (laughs) everyone knows on this podcast aaron hicks was my punching bag last year and then Yankee fans were like well if Aaron Hicks weren't wasn't hurt do you guys remember how bad Aaron Hicks was before he got hurt anyway um I hope he doesn't play that much I hope he's the odd man out and they just play all their infielders and put Glaber Torres at the DH and then put Judge in center field that's what I would do if I were the Yankees but we'll see what happens Aaron Hicks was like hey this team needs a little bit more FU they need a little attitude and I agree with him um but a guy who brings that is a guy named Josh Donaldson I think he brings an attitude to this team and a winning mentality that they didn't have I think he's going to challenge other guys on the team, including Garrett Cole, who obviously it seems like he has maybe a little softer skin than we would have hoped if you're an athlete in New York who's trying to be the ace of a staff. So good for the Yankees. Um, And with that, that's my last piece that I'm going to get on with uh, the Yankees before I go into the rest of the teams. But I did want to talk about one other thing, and that is I mentioned DeGrom being hurt, and he's probably going to be out till June. Mike Trout and Jacob DeGrom are the two best baseball players today. They are the best. They are the faces of the league. And DeGrom is one of the best baseball players I've ever seen. And so is Mike Trout, one of the best baseball players I've ever seen. And I got to see them both perform live. And it's incredible. And I just feel so awful that the last few years between the pandemic, between injuries, shortened seasons, whatever it is, we haven't gotten to see full seasons from DeGrom and Trout and it sucks because those are the two guys that those are the guys that they are the reason that you buy the ticket. They are the reason you turn on the TV. And when you have greatness, you got to appreciate it. I talk about it all the time on this podcast, how sports media likes to put down greatness and try and take away from their greatness. I'm the opposite. When you have greatness, when you have a great player in any sport, you want to see him and you want to see him succeed. And I don't root for great players to fail. And I especially don't root for great players to get hurt. And so it's upsetting to see guys like Mike Trout and Jacob DeGrom be hurt. But still, there is so much young talent. I was going through some of the free agents. I was going through some of the teams. And I did my fantasy baseball draft, which maybe I'll talk about my baseball team a little bit later on the podcast. Probably not because no one cares about your fantasy team. We talked about that with football. Um, And I'm just, you know excited for baseball and it's a shame that two of the guys that I would be most excited to see we are not going to get to see so with that I'm going to kick it off I'm going to go division by division I'll do my AL East and Yankee division last I'm going to give you a World Series prediction I'm going to give you everything awards I don't know rookie of the year so well I know there's that kid Suzuki who the Cubs got Um, and I think there's a kid named Witt his last name is Witt in Kansas City who's supposed to be incredible, Bobby Witt Jr. Um, so those are going to be my two uh, Rookie of the Year picks. I'll tell you that right off the top because I don't know who either of them are. I've never seen either of them play. So with that, let's start. We'll go division by division. So we'll start it off in the NL East because that was the division that I predicted the most terribly wrong last year. Um, I said that the NL East would uh, be the best division in baseball last year. I thought that division was really talented. turns out 
that had the worst division in baseball, an 88-win team uh, in the Braves won the World Series. And I think I may have said before that they were a wild card. They weren't a wild card, but they were worse than a wild card. They got in as a division winner at 88 wins. I was wrong, but I was technically right because it was a tight race till the end. Uh, but yes, none of those teams performed as well as they should have. But this year, um, and something funny about baseball, actually, I saw that MLB.com put out like their prediction on Twitter, who they thought was going to, or maybe it was the official MLB website. I'm not sure if it was MLB.com or the official MLB Twitter. They're like, here's our prediction. And that everyone, the, I think the most wins they gave a team was 93, and like the least wins they gave a team was like 70-something. They basically were, bas- were saying, everyone's going to be competitive. Everyone's going to have fun. Everyone's going to be good. Um, I don't think that. I think there are going to be teams with wins in the 50s, and I think there are going to be some teams who have 100 wins. That's just how it is every year in baseball. But it's cute that you think that all your teams are going to compete and kind of be in that middle range. Uh, I don't know where you get that from. So, speaking of, in the NL East, let's start it off with the Philadelphia Phillies. And if you look at the Philadelphia Phillies and you look at some of their key additions and some of the players they've lost, uh, they lost Andrew McCutcheon, so... An older player who, yes, was contributing for them, but I don't think he was contributing as much as some people may have thought. And the people they added, they add Kyle Schwarber, who's just an absolute beast. And they add Nicholas Castellanos. I obviously have the Castellanos t-shirt that I love. He's one of the best players in the league. Power hitter, big boy. Um, Those two guys to complete your outfield with Bryce Harper, that's just an insane addition to the lineup. Um and so if you have those three guys in the outfield, you obviously have Zach Wheeler, who I think is one of the best pitchers in baseball. I saw him in person last year, and I was just amazed at how incredible he was. He threw a complete game two-hit shutout in the game that I saw him last year against the Mets in a day game on Roy Halladay Day. So that was insane. Um, Aaron Nola is always a good candidate for a bounce-back pitcher. He has the stuff to be really good. So he's a little bit inconsistent. I think this team is really good, though. I think they're going to make the right moves. They really care about winning. And after watching that Bryce Harper interview where he talked about how, you know, this team is willing to go all in and they'll make some trades at the deadline to bolster their bullpen if they have to. But they obviously really want to compete. I love Joe Girardi. They have JT Realmuto behind the plate. This is a really good team. Reese Hoskins is still there. I really love this Philly team. I'm going to say they're going to go 162, 100 wins, 62 losses and actually win first place in the NL East. The second team in the NL East is the Atlanta Braves, and they're coming off the World Series with 88 wins. I actually think they're going to be better in the offseason this year. If you think about it, they add Kenley Jansen, they add Matt Olson, and they basically add Acuna because he wasn't there last year. They also added Colin McHugh to bolster their pitching staff. Um, They do lose Freddie Freeman, who is the face of the franchise, right? They lose the guy who was kind of like the gel that brought the team together and you saw how much everyone loved him in that locker room. And they also lose Jorge Soler, who was the uh, World Series MVP. But I do think um, with a little bit of a, I guess, World Series hangover and also a uh, a little bit of a subtraction, I think the team's not as good, but at, at the same time, they get Acuna back. I think they'll have the exact same record, 88 and 74 um, and they will be third place in the NL East. And I think the second place team in the NL East is honestly going to be the Mets. How much bad luck can you have? The season starts with the worst possible way um, that you're not going to have to grom for half a season. But this is a team that was in first place for 90 days last year and then couldn't push it to the finish line. And Steve Cohen did exactly what Steve Cohen said he was going to do. Um, and I think this is good for baseball. If we had more owners like Steve Cohen, then teams would be forced to spend a ton of money to, just to keep up with him. So he goes out and gets Max Scherzer. He goes out and gets Starling Marte. He gets Matt Cana. He gets Bassett. He gets these guys. They lose Stroman, Baez, and Conforto. They might still re-sign Conforto if there are injuries, but I think their additions are much better than their subtractions. And so I think this is a 93-win team for the New York Mets this year. 93-69, and 69, good enough for the second-place team in the NL East. The fourth-place team in the NL East, I have the Miami Marlins. They get Jorge Soler, who I just said won the World Series MVP, and they get Joey Wendell. They don't really lose anyone. So with everyone getting better, getting a little older, I know their pitching staff with Sandy Alexandra and those guys and Lopez are actually really good. I don't think they're ready just yet to compete for a playoff spot, but 73 wins, um, inching closer towards 
kind of being a competitive team, 73 and 89 is where I have the Miami Marlins. And last, I have the Washington Nationals. Like I said, they're using uh, other teams to promote their opening day. Patrick Corbin is starting opening day for them. Now, who knows if Strasburg is even going to pitch this year. They do add Nelson Cruz, who I like. I love Nelson Cruz. Um, he's going to hit 40 bombs. He usually hits however many home runs as his age. So he's about like 45 years old, so he'll probably hit 45 homers. Uh, that's uh, the the Nelson Cruz rule. But I do think Washington will just about get about 60, 61 wins and have over 100 losses this season or right around 100 losses this season. To the NL Central, we go and right to the, the NL Central has two of the best pitchers and they both play for the same team. That's Milwaukee with Woodruff and uh, Corbin Burns. Those two guys are both uh, candidates to win the Cy Young Award. And if you look at who else, they brought in Andrew McCutcheon. They brought in uh, Hunter Renfro, who, by the way, I am so glad he is out of the NL East and not with the Red Sox anymore because I had enough of watching him throw out every single Yankee on the base pass the entire year because those guys just don't know how to run the bases. And he was throwing out Yankees left and right, and he was a Yankee killer. So I'm glad to see Hunter Renfro gone. And Milwaukee, I think, is going to be the best team in the Central. I actually think the two Central divisions in baseball are the worst divisions in baseball, but I have Milwaukee winning 92 games and losing 70. The St. Louis Cardinals I have as the second team, and here's what they, they did this offseason. If you look at the St. Louis Cardinals, they got Steven Matz. Um, obviously, they also re-signed uh, Albert Pujols, but you know I don't think he's at the point of the career that he's making a huge difference, but it'll be cool to have him. Maybe they sneak in a playoff spot uh, by winning 83 games, going 83 and 79. Now, the Cubs did make some big improvements. Uh, they do add Suzuki, who we talked about is the rookie, and they also add Wade Miley, and they add Marcus Stroman. So they bolster the pitching staff a bit. They get Suzuki, who's the rookie uh, outfielder, who may ultimately be really good for them. And we'll see what happens. We'll see if that can propel them into maybe a wild card spot. But I think also they are going to be around a 75 to 80 win team, a little bit under 500, won't exactly get over the hump, maybe a 77, 78 win team. Um, The Pittsburgh Pirates did absolutely nothing. So... I have them basically being the same about a 60-win team and also losing over 100 games. And then the other team, and the last team, is the Cincinnati Reds. And this is the perfect example of a team. You talk about the teams who just were awful this offseason, and you talk about the Reds, and you talk about the Oakland Athletics. Here, here's the list of the guys the, the Cincinnati Reds lost this, just this offseason. Tucker Barnhart, Wade Miley, uh, Sonny Gray, or John Gray, Sonny Gray. They lost... And Jorgenio Suarez, they lost Nicholas Castellanos and Jesse Winker. <laughs> Those are six players who are basically all-stars. They had, I think they had like a crazy amount of all-stars last year. They were close to making the playoffs. They could have made the playoffs. They had a late season push. And again, this is a team that if they keep all those guys, guess what? They're probably going to make the playoffs with the extended, expanded playoffs. But still, teams don't seem to care. Even with the expanded playoffs, you'd expect teams... The whole point is to try and incentivize teams to be a little bit better than mediocre. Take the middle of the pack teams and try and incentivize them to try and be better. But no, instead it's like, oh, we don't want to be close to the playoffs. We're just going to throw all our talent away. So I think that's what you're going to get. You're going to get a team that also maybe barely wins 60 games. So that is the NL Central. In the NL West, um, this is going to be a bit of a shocking pick uh, for who I think is going to win the NL West because I think everyone thinks the Dodgers are just going to run away with it. But If you watch last year, I think losing Buster Posey is a big deal. But at the same time, I think the San Francisco Giants built a little kind of like a chemistry that you never see in baseball. They had an attitude that they just wanted to win and it didn't matter. It was almost like they willed themselves to victory. And that's huge. They add Carlos Rodon. They add Alex Cobb. So a couple of pitchers that can maybe help them. Um, I think Major League Baseball pitching these days is less about... They also had Tyler Boyd, by the way. I think Major League Baseball pitching these days is not about the five guys. It's become more about the eight guys, especially with the shortened spring training. You have to have that depth. And we saw this with actually uh, Fangraphs did their, they, they ranked their best starting rotation. So they ranked it as the top eight guys on every team as starting pitchers because you end up using at least eight starting pitchers over the course of a major league baseball season. And those are guys that you're going to lean on. So that back end, having that depth on the back end, you hope to have two, three guys that can really carry you. They do lose Gosman. Um, 
which is a big loss. They use they lose Chris Bryant, also a big loss, and they lose, like I mentioned, Buster Posey. So they lose a lot there, but I still think this team just has a certain compete to them, a certain level of compete that we haven't seen from any other team uh, in a long time, and I do think that that will carry them pretty far, and I think they're going to actually win the division, surprise a lot of teams, win 103 games. I have them here as the number one team in baseball in the regular season this year. Number two is obviously the LA Dodgers. I have them two wins behind that at 101 wins, so also over 100 wins, 101 and 61. Obviously, they get Freddie Freeman, Uh, but they also lose Seager. They lose Scherzer. They lose Jansen. We know that during the offseason, they're probably going to trade for a couple of guys. Who knows if Trevor Bauer is coming back to that team? I would guess not. Um, they obviously have Trey Turner that they got to play shortstop for them for the second half of the last season. He played second. Now he's going to move over and play shortstop for them. They're still one of the best teams in baseball, obviously, with Mookie Best, Cody Bellinger, uh, all those guys. Clayton Kershaw is back with them as well, and obviously Walker Buehler, the ace of that staff. So I wouldn't count them out just yet, but two wins behind the San Francisco Giants is where I have them. The San Diego Padres, I think, have improved this offseason also. Another team that we saw go basically all in last year. Didn't really work out for them. Winning the offseason doesn't mean you're winning in the regular season, but they add Luke Foyt, who's going to basically be the power hitter, the number four hitter in the lineup. He's kind of laughing at the Yankees. He's been posting the lineup on his Instagram story every day, the Padres lineup, and every day it has him as fourth in the lineup. He's like, yeah, we get it. You're a cleanup hitter somewhere else, and you were a bench player on the Yankees. Not because of your talent, but because God knows what's wrong with the Yankees. He's a guy who also adds some attitude. The Yankees, for some reason, didn't allow him to add attitude on their team. He says it the way it is. I think he's going to do well out in San Diego. They do lose Tommy Pham. They lose Adam, Adam Frazier. Um, they lose Mark Melanson. They just traded Chris Paddock also. But they added Sean Mayne from the Oakland Athletics. So I think there will be a pretty good team. Again, not as good as San Francisco and L.A., but good enough to make the playoffs. They're going to win about 90 games, 93 games is what I have them written down here. Next is Arizona. The Arizona Diamondbacks, um, they add Mark Melanson. So they get Mark Melanson from San Diego. Other than that, not really any huge moves for them uh, this offseason. So I have them at about 70 wins. The Colorado Rockies, another team that actually did make a couple of uh, moves. They add Chris Bryant, which was interesting because this is what always is weird to me. When you see a team that, I don't know if they're going for it or not, but then they do add a big piece. So that's kind of like what I thought when the twins added Carlos Correa it's like yeah we're not really going for it but we're gonna have this one guy just to see and if it could get us over to the hump great so not sure what Colorado's doing in that division but they do add Chris Bryant they obviously do lose John Gray and uh, Trevor Story all right so that is the entire National League um, and we'll get to how that shapes up what that means for playoff implications a little bit later let's stay out west though and move over to the American League And we'll start with the American League West. And another surprise team I have winning the American League West is Seattle Mariners. Maybe to some people that's not a surprise. I thought Seattle was such a fun story last year, and I think they're going to be even better this season. Um, If you look at the Seattle Mariners and what they did in this offseason, they got Robbie Ray, who was the American League Cy Young Award winner. Do I think he's going to be as good as he was last year? Probably not, but he'll be really good. They get Jesse Winker. They get Adam Frazier. They get Antonio Suarez. And they get a year older of experience of those guys who really propelled them last year to be that great, fun team that they were. They're all a year older. They lose Kyle Seeger, obviously, and they lose Kikuchi, who was a pitcher for them. So they do lose a couple of guys who were kind of the leaders of that team uh, in Seeger. And they obviously lose Kikuchi, who was one of the better starters that they had. But adding Robbie Ray, obviously, more than makes up for that like I said everyone gets a year older I think they win about 90 to 95 games I have them down here at 92 and I think they're going to win the AL West number two in the AL West I don't think they're going to win the AL West and maybe they won't even make the playoffs I have them here between 85 and 90 wins is the Houston Astros I think they lost too much I think losing Correa losing Granke losing Graveman some of those guys that they lost they haven't really added anyone big it was a long nice run for the Houston Astros, if you think about 2015, 16, 17, 18, of course, they make it to the World Series a couple times. The only time they actually win it is 17, which is a little bit tainted. We know that. The cheating scandal, all that, well documented. Don't need to talk about it. They obviously still have Bregman. They obviously still have Altuve. They still have Michael Brantley. They still have Jordan Alvarez. I'm not saying they won't be good, but I still think maybe 88 wins. And people are talking about Verlander, but again, he's coming back from yet another injury. Um who knows how good he'll be? Uh, maybe this is the end for Verlander. Not that I thought that Zach Ranke was the guy anymore, but 
I don't know. I'm not having this team at the same level that they've been the last couple of years. The next team in the AL West is going to do what they do every year. They'll be about 500, probably win 80 games, is the LA Angels. Think about what the Angels have. They had uh, Noah Syndergaard. So maybe Noah Syndergaard is the guy who puts them over the top. Is he? I don't know. Again, another guy was coming back from an injury, so who really knows? Uh, they also add Trout if you look at it that way, right? They add Mike Trout because he wasn't healthy last year, but maybe he won't be healthy this year. Can you count on Shohei Otani to do what he did last year? That was not the the norm. That was an aberration for him last year that he was able to pitch and hit at the same time and be so effective on both sides. I'd love to see him do it again. That would be really impressive. But it's going to be really hard for him to match what he did last season. Um, and so, therefore, I have the Angels at about 80 wins. Next, I have the Texas Rangers, who <laughs> it looks like they really went for it this offseason. Uh, but I think those are more of a longer play because I think those are going to be the older guys who, in three, four years, when the younger guys are coming up, are going to be the faces of the franchise. They have young pitching on the way, but it's not quite there yet. So they do add Simeon, who's a little bit older. I don't know if he's going to be as good as he was for Toronto last year in a contract season. I don't expect him to be a 40 home run, 100 RBI guy. He just wasn't that guy most of his career, but he was that in Toronto last year. They obviously do add Corey Seager to a million-year contract. They add John Gray and um, the catcher Graver. So they did get a little bit better. They do lose Isaiah Conifalefa to my team, the Yankees, uh, but I don't think that's a huge loss. So they obviously do get a lot better. That duo up the middle with uh, Seager and uh, uh, Simeon is going to be incredible. But like I said, I don't think they can pitch. And so you're looking at the same thing, probably between 70 and 80 wins for the Texas Rangers. And then the last team, I don't even think they'll get more than 56 wins, the Oakland Athletics. And I mentioned the Cincinnati Reds before. So here are the people that uh, Oakland lost. They lost Matt Olson, Matt Chapman, Bassett, Marte, Kahana, Chaffin. That's just insane. You can't give away all that talent. You could add Mayena to that. They're probably trading Frankie Montas also. So you throw away all that talent and just expect to keep winning. No, they're trying to lose. But if you look at it, that, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys who, if you look at that team alone, no matter who you put around those eight guys, you'd be a playoff team, especially with the expanded playoffs. So the fact that you're just giving up a playoff spot willy-nilly like that is kind of upsetting as a big baseball fan. But I told you, I'm not complaining about baseball anymore. I'm, I'm really excited for opening day. To the AL Central... And like I said, I think this is one of the weaker divisions of baseball between the AL and NL Central, just really weak divisions. The best team in the AL Central is the Chicago White Sox. They lose Carlos Rodon. That's it. Eloy Jimenez, those guys, they're all going to get a year older. Jose Abreu is one of the most underrated players in baseball. He's so good. The pitching's good. Giolito's getting a year older. He's going to get a year better, maybe, hopefully. Um, I still think they're not that great, but that lineup is really good. They're going to win 93 games. 93 and 69 about is what I have the Chicago White Sox out. The next team is the Minnesota Twins. I blanked on the Twins' name. Jeez. The next team is the Minnesota Twins. <laughs> Minnesota Twins. Uh, they add Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela. Um, they add Sonny Gray and Chris Paddock, probably. They lose Donaldson, Graver, Pineda, Pineda. I think it's Garver. I keep saying Graver. And they obviously add Carlos Correa. This is a perfect example of like, well, if Gary and Sonny Gray and Paddock and Gio all perform for us, then the Correa contract makes sense. And if they don't perform for us and Correa is the only guy, he's the aberration on the team, then he just walks after the after the season anyway. So it was worth it to give him this essentially one-year deal. It was technically written as a three-year deal, but it's really a one-year deal. And if he has a player option at the end of this year, so if he really performs and the team doesn't do well, he's just going to leave. I do think they're going to perform, but not that great. I think they're going to win about 84 games and miss the playoffs. Number three in the division, I have Cleveland, who just re-upped with Jose Ramirez. I didn't think they were going to sign him, but they set the floor really low for a guy like Aaron Judge. Jose Ramirez is a really good baseball player. I think he got, what, six years, 180 or something. I think less than that, like six years, 150, something like that. Um, but good for them, a team that also kind of just throws away talent. Uh, they didn't really add or lose anyone else. Their pitching has a chance to be really special if Bieber... And all those guys and Saval and all those guys are as good as they were last year. So about 80 wins. I don't think they're good enough to be a playoff team. But they'll win a bunch of games just because their starters are really good. Kansas City, I have at about 70 wins. Uh, we talked about Bobby Witt Jr., who's going to be their outstanding rookie this year. 
we've heard about them trading the other Whit, Whit Merrifield for a while now, so they might actually um, do that. And if you look at the other people that they have lost, they really just add Zach Ranky and don't lose anyone else. So they're just trying to build a young team. And Zach Ranky is a great guy to come in. He started his career there to come in and kind of teach those young guys what it's like to win. Detroit made a lot of splashes this offseason. They lose Tyler Boyd, but they get Erod uh, Rodriguez, the pitcher from the Red Sox, left-hander. They get uh, Javi Baez. They get Tucker Barnhart. They get Pineda. And then they just trade for Austin Meadows from the Tampa Bay Rays, another guy who I'm so glad is not in the AL East anymore so that he can't terrorize me and my Yankees anymore uh, because that guy always seemed to kill the Yankees. The Yankees actually go to Detroit one of the first weeks of the season, and I'm going to be there, so I'm going to get to see Austin Meadows hit home runs against the Yankees again. That's my favorite thing. Detroit got really good. Like I said, they did a ton of moves, but I'm not sure those are moves that are going to help them win right now, and I don't see them winning more than in the 60s, let's put it that way, not more than 70 games. And finally, we get to the AL East, my Yankees division, which I think is also the best division of baseball. And the reason I say it's the best division of baseball and not the NL West is because this division runs four teams deep. The NL West is three teams deep, and I think it's San Francisco, LA, and then San Diego after a little bit of a drop-off, and then Arizona and Colorado are really bad. The Orioles are pretty bad, but Toronto, the Yankees, Tampa, Boston, these teams are really, really good. Um, and I think it's going to be the toughest division in baseball this season. And so here's what I got for the upcoming AL East. I have the Toronto Blue Jays winning the division. Yes. Think about what they've added. They add Kevin Gosman. They lose, obviously, Robbie Ray. They lose Marcus Simeon. They add Matt Chapman. So they add a younger third baseman instead of an older second baseman. They lose Robbie Ray, who was kind of a one-year guy who never had a multiple years of proving it. They get Kevin Gosman, another guy who never had multiple years of proving that he can be the guy uh, before San Francisco last year. So I don't think that's a huge drop-off. I don't think that's a huge improvement there. I do have this team, though, being much better, if you think about it. Bo Bichette, those guys, insane. I have, obviously, Vladdy Jr., ridiculous. Some of these guys on this team, another guy who always killed the Yankees was Randall Gritchick. They also lost him, um, so I'm not going to miss him, but... These guys all get a year older, a year wiser. If you look at, they lost so many one-run games last year. I think they were supposed to win, I think, eight more games last year. So 102 wins kind of makes sense when you look at it in the grand scheme of things. This is me being optimistic by saying the Yankees will win 93 games. I think the Yankees could also end up winning 85. But again, here's who they got. They got Isaiah Connor falefa They got Josh Donaldson. Um, they also re-signed Anthony Rizzo. They lose Gio. They lose Gary. They lose Kluber, they lose Voigt. They kind of become more of a team, I think, and less relying on guys to step up. I think this will be better for Glaber Torres. I think he could either go to second or be the DH. I think they should be spending less time with Hicks in center. And I think as the season goes on, you'll see you want Judge in center. You want Stanton in right. If Joe, those two guys can stay healthy and be as good as they were last year, that's incredible. Anthony Rizzo, I think, is going to be better than he was last year and could be huge for this lineup. I think Donaldson is still really good. You have really good defense up the middle with DJ, who's going to have a bounce back season. I want to see him ultimately be the leadoff hitter in this lineup and be the guy he was in 2019 and 2020. And you have kind of Falefa, who's a really good defender. I think putting defense first was a huge priority this offseason. You saw it with the catchers that they got also. So I think that's important. And then you have Glaber play some second, maybe play some third but mostly be the DH and take the pressure off of him. And you know what? If Joey Gallo wants to hit a bunch of home runs and bat 200, all right, bat him seventh in the lineup and let him do that. The pitching is the same thing. A lot of upside, a lot of downside. Obviously, Garrett Cole, I hope he can still be an ace. I think I'm banking on him still being the ace that he. I think he's capable of being. And that's why I have them winning this many games. Maybe he's not the exact same guy he was without the sticky stuff, but I think he could be really good. Severino looked great in the spring. Jordan Montgomery could be really good. Tyone. And some of the young guys will combine. They, again, on fan graphs, were projected to have the best starting rotation. The reason why is because the rotation goes eight deep with guys who can really contribute from all different places. And, of course, Nasty Nestor Cortez. So I have the Yankees winning 93 games. Next, I have Tampa. Tampa, what they did this offseason was a success for them because they signed their shortstop to an, a million-year extension. They have him forever. This kid, Wander Franco, comes into the league, and his first year in the league just doesn't strike out ever, only hits home runs. He's just a really good baseball player. That's a huge addition for them to get Corey Kluber with the Yankees lost. They're going to see if they can solve him. They've had success with older pitchers, one of them being Colin McHugh, who they lost. 
they lose Nelson Cruz, they lose Joey Wendell, and they also lose Austin Meadows. So I think they're a little bit worse, maybe 89 to 91 wins for the Tampa Bay Rays. Next, I have Boston. Now, Boston did technically improve this offseason, but at the same time, I think they're going to come back down to earth from what they were last year. I think they overachieved last year, and they lose Schwarber, they lose Renfro, they lose Erod, and obviously now we know that Sale's probably not going to be there for at least most of the season. They do get Trevor Story, which is an interesting signing if you're trying to keep Rafael Devers, and we just heard that Rafael Devers just rejected their latest contract, then why are you getting Trevor Story? Maybe they don't think they can keep Rafael Devers, which Chaim Bloom already proved. He doesn't care to keep the face of the franchise when he lost uh, Mookie Betts to the LA Dodgers. And last is the Baltimore Orioles. Didn't really do much this offseason, and uh, that's why they're going to be the worst team in the American League East. So with all that being said, you're probably wondering, where does that leave us with the Major League Baseball season, right? Like, all those teams, all those numbers, you gave reasons why they might be good or bad or whatever. What does it actually mean for who's going to win the World Series? Who's going to make the playoffs? And we'll get there in a second. But first, I'm going to give you the award winners. Because why not? Because I did the regular season first. So I'm going to give you the award winners for the regular season. I already gave you my Rookie of the Year picks, if you don't remember. I barely remember. It's Suzuki in the NL on Chicago. And it's uh, Bobby Witt Jr. in the AL. My MVP I have for the American League is going to be Vladdy Guerrero Jr. Like I said, I think they're going to have the best record in the American League, and I think that guy's an absolute beast. I saw on MLB Network, I think, at least 17 times now, because when I work the overnights, MLB Network has the same feature on every single night, which is a feature they did on Vladdy Guerrero Jr. on his swing, on him losing weight and coming into camp better shape. He looks extremely fit. He's entering the prime of his career, and I think he's going to hit about 70 homers and have 3,000 RBIs this season. And I think that offense is going to be insane, and I think he's going to be the guy right in the middle of it. And on the best team in the American League, he's going to win the MVP. I'm going to go out on a limb and say the guy who I think is going to win the Cy Young, even though he is the favorite to win the Cy Young, I still think this is going out on a limb to say that Garrett Cole, my ace, is going to win the Cy Young. I don't know. Maybe I'm a homer. Maybe I just think he's going to figure out a way to come back and be the man and Something's going to click, and he's going to be the starter that the Yankees hoped they paid for when they gave him $324 million. In the National League, it's my adopted team, the guy who I opened the podcast talking about, Bryce Harper. I have him as MVP. He was MVP last year. This guy gets on base basically 45% of the time he gets to the plate, and the rest of the time, he's hitting bombs. So if he's not walking, if he's not stealing bases, he plays hard. He tries to play 162 games. He said on the podcast, like, anything under 158 is unacceptable unless he's injured. And so this is a guy who goes hard 24-7, and I love his attitude, and you still forget how young he is. He's in the prime of his career. Something special about him. I always had a special spot for him. Just I met him when he was 18 years old coming into the league, and I love Bryce Harper. So I think Harper's going to win MVP. And the other guy, this is my adopted team for this season, the Phillies. They have Joe Girardi. They have Ronald Torres. They have Didi Gregorius, and they have Zach Wheeler. Zach Wheeler, who last year I saw him pitch. He's that guy. He's really good, and I think Zach Wheeler will win the Cy Young. Now, based on all the numbers that I gave as the projected wins and losses, here's what it would look like in the playoff scenarios. Now, again, with expanded playoffs, now there are new teams. It's basically like the NFL. The top two seeds get a bye week or a bye round, and then four plays five and three plays six. So here we go. In the American League, the number one seed I had was Toronto. The number two seed I had as the Chicago White Sox. So they will get their buys in the first two rounds. Now, because Seattle will be a division winner, even though I had them winning less games than the Yankees, one less game, they'll be the number three seed. So they will host the Houston Astros, who I had one game better, beating out the Boston Red Sox to make the playoffs. Houston will lose to Seattle, though, in the, in the wild card round. And I have the Yankees hosting the Tampa Bay Rays in the wild card. And I have the Yankees finally getting over the hump and finally beating the Tampa Bay Rays in the wildcard round and moving on to play Toronto in the division series. So if you're following, we have Toronto against the Yankees in the division series and Chicago against Seattle. I have Seattle and Toronto both winning in the division series and a Seattle-Toronto championship series in the American League. Let's move over to the National League before we get to my American League champion. In the NL, the way I had it fall out was the number one seed was the San Francisco Giants. LA won as almost as many games as them, but because Philly is in a different division, they are the number two seed. I told you, I'm riding Philly all year this year. I have Milwaukee as the number three seed because they win the Central. 
which leaves Atlanta, the Mets, and San Diego as the final teams. The Dodgers and San Diego will play each other in the NL wild card round, and the Dodgers will win. And I have Milwaukee winning. How do you lose that series when you have those two starting pitchers lining up against each other? But because those two pitchers had to pitch in the wild card round, I have Philly beating the Bre- the Brewers in the division series. You can't have those guys pitch the two games in the wild card round and then be ready to go into the division series. Therefore, I do think Philly, my team, my adopted team this season, is going to win and make it to the championship series. Over on the other side, it's the Dodgers who will win against the Padres. So Dodgers and San Francisco in the division series. I have San Francisco winning. I told you, I think San Francisco has a certain attitude about them this year. They did not like losing to the Dodgers last year. I think they're going to come back with a vengeance. So that gives you the final four in the National League. It's Philly and San Francisco. In the American League, it's Seattle and Toronto. Four teams that we haven't seen really in the playoffs even in a really long time. So that should be really fun. I do have Toronto winning the American League. I think they're just so much better than any other team in the American League this year. They're going to ride that crazy lineup. And just the pitching is going to do just enough to carry them to the World Series. And then I have San Francisco. I think San Francisco, their vengeance, I think Philly's pitching just won't be enough to beat the San Francisco Giants. And the San Francisco Giants are going to play Toronto in the World Series where I have the San Francisco Giants winning the World Series. Yes, I think they will be so offended that they lost last year. Um, that they are going to go all the way and win the World Series this year. Now, if I'm wrong about all these picks, I'll probably be... All right, so that'll wrap it up for the podcast. Happy opening day. Yankees open tomorrow, like I said. My adopted team, the Phillies, I don't even know when they open, so I guess they're not really my adopted team. Next week, I'm going to come back, talk about basketball. I'm going to talk about the Knicks. Uh, I have an interesting take about perspective is everything. I always talk about that, and perspective is really everything with this year's Knicks season. And the Lakers are officially out of the playoffs, so all that and more and a whole NBA playoff preview coming up on uh, next episode. Until then, see you.